friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so, Miss Veronica is going to be here next week to talk about issue one. Uh, if you'd like some more details, uh, you may see Miss Renee. Uh, Mr. Luke, you may come at this time, share a very brief testimony, sir. Okay. Hi, my name's Luke Hoptowning, and uh, I just found out this last week I got everything taken care of. I'm a healed man right now. Amen. I praise God for him. Yeah. Amen. And this last week I still, and I had two years and four months of sobriety. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I got one more thing. This uh, after three. Well, so that's all right. <laughs> and the 29th of this month, I'll be healed of a open heart surgery. I had three years. I know there's a healing God. And anybody in here don't believe it's a healing God. You're not. <laughs> you don't know until you went through it. Amen. Okay. Praise so, the Lord. Thank you, sir. Thank God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 12? Chapter 12, verses, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, I believe, this morning. Uh, we are, we, uh, we're going to pause the series that we were in about monster emotions. And uh, uh, how many of you know Pastor Tyler did an excellent job last week? Oh, yeah. yeah, he really did. Uh, I, I was watching from Mexico and uh, I watched it live and it was, it was awesome. I, I just love him, man. Uh, but but he's, uh, he's seeing family and, uh, today, so... Bless him for filling in. We did have a part three, but that's going to be postponed. Obviously, some things have happened in this last week, and I'm going to speak to some of those things, but I'm going to speak to the spiritual matter, uh, not the political matter. And so please understand there is a difference, okay? And, and, and uh, so we're going to talk about what spiritually is going on and uh, how we need to be aware of that, okay? So uh, let's go ahead and read, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer, okay? It says... Uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of that country. Wow. Wow. What happens when God tells you to move? You move. Come on. All right. And from that kindred, that's family. You know, uh, I come from the redneck world, for that's kin, right? And the kindred is a hundred kin. That's what that is, okay? And just kidding. Stick to the notes. All right. And, and from thy father's house and unto the land, unto a land that I will show thee. Um, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all, say all, that's everybody. All means all. That, that's everybody. Everybody that's a soul, okay? It says, and in thee shall all the families of the earth, the whole earth, shall be blessed. Now, that promise has never been refuted. It has never gone away. That promise is still in effect. That promise is still working even through the grafted in church. That promise is still going on today. And what God is doing in seeking to save and redeem the earth is still connected to that promise. We're all part of that promise. And if you read anything that Paul wrote in the New Testament, you'll know that the church is all connected, grafted into that same promise. We're all under a spirit of adoption, right? Where we cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, so the same Father that's promising this to Abraham is your Father as a believer, is my Father as a believer. So that makes the people of Israel my brothers. We better pray. 
Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that, God, you're working out your will. We get to be a part of it. God, we join you in your mission as missionaries, but you are the first missionary. God, we thank you that you raised up through Abraham a missionary nation called Israel. God, we thank you that it was there to produce your son, the Messiah, but not just God to produce your son, the Messiah, but also to represent the one true God to the entirety of history in the earth. And we are part of that. We are not separate from that. And so God, we seek to know what you are doing and join in on your side. And the only side we want to be on this morning is yours, Lord. And God, we're seeking to join God in the battle for souls. For your glory, in your sake, in your son's sake, in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, come on. Amen. Amen. I, I, I just I just want to tell you that I support Israel, not because of politics, but I support Israel because of Bible prophecy. And God's word is the Bible. And God is not through with Israel. You are not going to see Israel conquered. You're going to see Israel there until Jesus comes. That's what your Bible said. That's not what I'm saying. No, now I know many of you subscribe to many different conspiracy theories. And I know you've heard a lot, okay? But there's the things that people, you know, David said, why do the heathen rage? You know, there are the things that people on earth say, and then there's the things that God has said. And what you've got to do is make a decision in your heart and in your life on deciding right now, am I going to believe what God has said about his plan and what he's doing? Now, one of the scriptures I want to give you very briefly, and then I'm going to go into spiritually what got on a plane back from Mexico with tears in my eyes, gave me to share with you this morning. But I, one of the things I want to share with you is, is the fact that Israel as a nation will be there because the Scriptures say so. Not just the Old Testament, man, but the New. I love what Paul says here. To bring it all into perspective, Romans 11.25 says, I do not want you to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Now, what is ignorant? That's ignoring that's the root word there. That doesn't mean foolish. It means to ignore something, the truth. Ignore ant, right? Don't be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. That's you. You're a Gentile. Hello, but you come in. <laughs> You're part of the family. And in this way, all Israel, now watch this, Look at verse 26. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. What is the end result of what's going on? At the end, Israel is going to be saved. Now, maybe you don't know how prophetically this is going to end, but God's prophetic timepiece is Israel. If you want to know where things are with God and His will, look at Israel. And the end of the story, you know, history is His story. At the end of the story... What's going to happen is, right here, the people of Israel are going to be saved. And it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. Come on now, that's Jesus, man. And he will turn, watch this, the godlessness away from Jacob. Who is Jacob? Israel. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. See, there's still a covenant. And God is saying, I'm going to make sure that in the end, they're saved. And what does that mean? We're in an age right now, what we call in dispensationalism, the dispensation of grace, where the church is being grafted in, where the church is being brought in, where the whole world can join in the family of God and the promises of Abraham. But a time is coming that the Bible calls, not me, in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble. Who was Jacob? Israel. And during that time, it'll be about seven years, God is going to go back to using the people of Israel to point the world to the one true God and the gospel. Imagine two witnesses that are showing and revealing all the Old Testament power and the New Testament power of the Holy Spirit 
and they're demonstrating it miraculously daily, calling fire down from heaven, and 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe, full of the Holy Ghost, Jews preaching the gospel. I'm sorry, you're going to have to forgive me. You ain't seen nothing yet. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Here's something you won't forget. Okay? Okay? It ain't over for them. And God's still, got a, God's still got a plan and He's got a promise and He's working it out. And I want you to get on the right side of this. God's side and the biblical side. Hello. Now it's been Satan's strategy historically throughout history through the Babylonians, the Assyrians, through the Egyptians. Do, do you know these stories? Uh, through, later through the Middle Persians, through the Hittites, through the Romans to destroy the Jews. And dare I leave out the Nazis. And not one of them worked. I go back in my Bible to a little book called Esther. And I see that Uncle Mordecai speaks to his niece about what's going on at that time. And there's a guy by the name of Haman, pretty close to Hamas. But anyway, we'll get to that. Little guy by the name of Haman. Haman, he's a leftover. He's an agagite. Agagagagagite. He shouldn't have been alive because you remember King Saul was supposed to... Supposed to kill all those guys off. Hello, you don't remember that? And he left one alive. And, and you remember the prophet had to deal with the business. Well, there was an Agagite left alive that wanted to kill off and do genocide to all of God's people. And God raised up Esther for such a time as this, come on, and reversed the whole thing. There has been a demonic, satanic plan since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. When God gave forth the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, and when he said, through the seed of the woman, I'll crush the serpent's head. And so the devil knows there's going to be a seed on earth that I got to wipe out. There's so much more I'd like to tell you there. Because you think the flood came because God was angry. The flood came because God was merciful and graceful. Because there was already a contamination of the blood. Come on. God had a plan from the beginning. Jesus Christ slain from the foundations of the earth. From the beginning, God has been planning. All of this is a setup to bring about the glory to His Son as a Redeemer and King. So I want you to see, God's not finished with Israel. And that's just my introduction. Because we ain't even talking about what, I want, what God put on my heart this morning. I just want to make sure you're on the right side. Listen, I don't want any emails or visits this week about people saying they saw this or they saw that and they're protesting this. and they're pro can, I just tell, can I just tell you this? People have always hated the people of God because the people of God represent God. They hate God. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Anybody that represents God... My wife and I were watching last night, watching this YouTube video about a particular denomination that has run off its course. It's off the rails in the United States, specifically with gender identity and what's going on in that denomination. And I'm not going to mention it, but uh, we were shocked because we thought it was bad and, and it's badder than we thought. How, how many of you seen that meme where the little boy's looking out the door and he's saying, I'm just looking out the door today to see which chapter of the book of Revelation we're at. You know, so we're watching that, right? And, and we're seeing this go on. And, and, and I, my wife said to me, she said, how much longer do we have? Not, not much. Not much when, when, when you're living in an age and a time when people hate God to the point of in the church, they will blaspheme and defile his name. Now, now, this is what I want to tell you. Isn't it funny how it, they all want to, man, go down to the Buddhist temple and do that drag queen stuff. You didn't hear me. Go down to the mosque and do that drag. Why you got to do that drag stuff in the house of God? I'll tell you why. 
because it's the one true God and they hate him. Ooh, already offended, are you? We ain't even, man, we're just, hey man, we ain't even, say, oh, the grits aren't even cooking yet. I'm going to show you a, a, a couple of coincidences here. They're just coincidences. We're just going to call it that. Okay. But before I do, I want, I want, I want to tell you how I got to this place this morning. I was, uh, I was flying back from, uh, from Mexico with my wife from vacation, and uh, you know they do these random searches. It's funny how I'm always in the random search. <laughs> Don't know why. What is the deal? Me again? And here's the thing, too. I was headed towards the bath. I was. I was headed towards the bathroom. I'm 52. I go a lot. And I, and drink a lot of coffee. And, and so I'm like, oh, can't go to the bathroom. I hear my name over there. I'm like, surprise, surprise. So I get put in one of these random searches, and I get, I get put in this. And I know now why this happens. God has a... Nothing just happens with God, okay? And so I get put into this, this situation, and, and they got gloves on, and I'm like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> And, and so I'm, I'm there with one other man at that point, and uh, he looks at me, and I look at him, and I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? And he goes, I guess we're hit. And he spoke back in an accent that I thought, well, that's Middle Eastern, but I don't know. I want to be careful, you know. And he says, uh, he says so, so they got the American in the Israelite. And I said, you said Israelite? I said, hey, brother, they got two Israelites. And he said, what? I said, yeah, I'm grafted in. I'm your brother. He said, well, nice to meet you, brother. What's your name? I said, Glenn. His name was Ray. Right? I'm like, hey, Ray, how you doing? Anyway, he lives in Jerusalem. He works over here in Mexico in the United States, and he can't get home right, right now. So I had a solid 10 minutes while other people are being searched for he and I to have a conversation. And the three points that he gave me in that conversation, I'm going to share with you today. Because with tears in my eyes in the plane ride on the way back, I just had to start. I got out of this stupid little iPhone I have, and I just started as fast as my little thumbs would go, and I misspelled everything. But, well, yeah, so, so it came out of that conversation. It was God-ordained moment that he shared this with me. But what I want to share with you is, is there are a few things that I'm going to call coincidences, but the rest I would ask you to say this is no coincidence. Okay, the, the first one is this. I just want to give you this and then we'll, I'll, I'll share with you what the man laid on my heart and then what the Holy Spirit gave me. Okay, the first one is this. All right. Uh, there's a spiritual significance to the name Hamas. Salah. Hamas, as you probably know and are educated well enough to know that it's an acronym. It's an acronym, an Arabic acronym. I'm going to do my best not to... Uh, totally slaughter this pronunciation, but it's Hera'akat al-Makwa al-Islamiyah, which means the Islamic resistance movement. But Hamas also is an Arabic word, which means to them, zeal and fighter. The thing that I find a neat coincidence, how about that, is that the Hebrew language and the Arabic language are sister languages. And Hamas in Hebrew does not mean zealous fighter. Hamas, they put a C on the front of it, Hamas in Hebrew means violent thief. And the first time you see that in your Bible, that word Hamas is Genesis 6.11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, full of Hamas or violence. Then the flood came. Then Jesus later in the New Testament says this, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. Same thing. Violence filled the earth. Hamas filled the earth. And God said, that's not in keeping with my nature. Hello. Just a coincidence. Don't leave here today and say, well, Pastor said. It's not like, it's not like those Arabic you know, terrorists got into Genesis, you know, five and six and pulled that out. But let me just tell you this morning that the devil is the father of lies. And what you think you're calling yourself <laughs> and what you think you're identifying, I don't know, what you think you're identifying as, the truth behind it 
may say otherwise. And I think after a cursory investigation or survey of what has happened in the last week with the atrocities of this terrorist regime that breaks into homes, right? Unspeakable acts, not even going to go into it, and then takes captive the defenseless violent thief. You can believe what you want. I'm the one preaching. Until you're the preacher. What can we learn from all this, though? Because there's, there, are, there are many lies. There are many lies. And we've got, to, we've got to focus on the truth and the truth that comes from God's Word. Well, Psalms 7.16 says, The trouble they cause recoils on them. The violence, the kamas they cause, will come down on their own heads. Okay, the amens are diminishing, but you're still with me. What can we learn from all this? I'm going to give you some of the, some of the things that I received from this man, and which I, I had to pray about and I, I had to be able to articulate as the Lord wanted me to articulate it. But as I read in Ephesians 6.11 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, number one, we are to put on the whole armor of God. That's, his, that's Jesus. We're to put on Jesus. What is the helmet of salvation? Jesus. What is the breastplate of righteousness? His, his righteousness. What is the shield of faith? It comes, your faith comes from God. It's a gift to you. Okay? Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth. That's all Jesus. Come on. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus. Put on Jesus. Be hidden in Jesus. It warns us to put on the whole armor of God that we'll be able to stand against the wiles, wiles of the devil. You're seeing the wiles. I think of Wiley Coyote when I think of wiles. How Wiley Coyote, and it's like, you know, I, I don't know anything about that cartoon. I know, I'm sorry. But Wiley Coyote was always trying to kill the roadrunner. And whatever he used against the roadrunner backfired on him. No weapon formed against God's people. You, I, shall prosper. And then in 2 Corinthians 2.11, we are not to be unaware of his schemes. Schemes and wiles is the same word. Methodia, methods, stra scheming strategies. We say we have method methods today, but we get the word methodology from that. But the intention in Scripture of that time was as a scheming strategy. The devil is always up to a scheming strategy. And he had, he had a scheming strategy that played out at the end and started at the, at the beginning of Saturday of last week. And God is going to finish it. So in talking with my friend, here's some lessons that I think we can learn about dealing with the devil, the enemy, and his scheming strategies. Are you with me? Number one, Satan attacks when God's people are not unified. You will first see disunity. That's the, that's the first red flag in your marriage you think the problem is the devil is attacking you but the real problem is you weren't unified in the first we think the problem in the church is the devil we're always ready to blame the devil we're always ready to tell it that's the devil's work look what the devil's doing now but way before the devil strikes he makes sure that there's plenty of disunity so that you can do the most of the job for him you're watching the news right now, and what, what, what is overwhelming is the story of this war that is now happening on several fronts. But before that war with Hamas or Hezbollah, before that war happened uh, between these other nations that are around Israel and inside of Israel-occupied territories, there was a six-month war going on in the streets of Israel where they were disunified. They were rioting against themselves. Just as we are in this country, disunified. Now, 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 be careful. I'm not saying let's come together in unity over just anything. I'm not saying have peace just to have peace. Because peace can't come from the world. 
But I will tell you this. The first thing the devil is looking for in your marriage, in your home, in a church, in your career, in your life, in your relationships is disunity. Because he knows what we forget, that God and his spirit is attracted to unity. And if you're disunified, God's spirit can't be there. Now, I'm not going to take you through a long Bible study about this, but let me just remind you that the scriptures even speak of prayer where Jesus teaches us how to pray. And he says, listen, if any two of you come together agreeing, the word agreement there is, of course, in the Greek, symphoneo. It's when you hear a symphony, all the instruments need to come together. There's that moment before the conductor goes tap, tap, tap. Come on, you bunch of goobers. You're tuned up. And then everybody starts playing together. You know, in the sandbox, not going home with your toys, church, right? And they follow the conductor, the Holy Spirit, Christ, the head of the church. Not a man. They come together in agreement. And it's beautiful music to God's ears because God says that looks like us, the Trinity. Can I tell you something? It's a fight sometimes to get unity here. But when you get to heaven, you're going to see it reverse. The story of heaven was it took a complete war to break up unity. Satan has been a, div a divisive person from the beginning. The Greek word for devil in the New Testament, diablos. Got back from Mexico, so... <laughs> The Mexican word for this morning, Spanish word for this morning is diablos. Whatever. Here's what it means. One who speaks against or one who divides. The first division he brought about in heaven when he divided the angels against the Lord. Then he came down to the earth and what's the first thing he does in the garden? He divides God's people from God. Then he gets God's people to be in division with each other. When Adam starts saying, she did it. His major scheme is division. And you, listen, there's just some things that we need to understand what the real battle is. The real battle spiritually is to be unified with each other in Christ and over the word of God. That's it. And, it's, and then, then everything else is is small potatoes sometimes. Can I just tell you that? Don't sweat and don't pet the sweaty stuff. Yeah, okay. You didn't write that down. All right. That wasn't worthy. Paul tells us what the re Paul tells us what the real fight is. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. That's the fight. That's the fight. I love in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all in one accord. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit was attracted to that, man. Right? The Lord commands a blessing upon His people. You find that in Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. God sees His people unified over His Word and with God. And God says, that's communion. That's just like the Trinity. That's the way it ought to be. Bless Him, bless Him, bless Him, bless Him. Sometimes we're fighting the wrong battle. I hope you're on the right side of this. I want you to see that the devil's work of division began in the nation and an enemy a very cowardly enemy took advantage of that. Hello. Lesson number two. We move from division to deception. Deception is a very powerful tool that the enemy uses. Deception. The deception is a belief that something is good when God says, I've called you to something that is great. What is good isn't always good. It seems good, kind of looks good, just smells a little. Why does it smell a little bad? Well, just, i tell you what, get you one of those air wicks. Bake some cookies. Do whatever you can to distract yourself from the smell. Come on, we're trying to sell this house right now, and we know the house has mold. Come on, church. And this stinks. 
Well, if it smells bad, it probably is. Hello. But, you know, we'll do whatever we can to mask that, to cover that over so that we can kind of come together and be accommodating so that we can join in together. Can I just tell you this? I just want to help you. I want to help you, man. Um, don't join anything in this world that isn't connected to Christ. Don't identify with anything in this world that isn't connected to Christ. How do you know what is connected to Christ? Pick up your Bible. Read it. It's all about Jesus. You know what the Old Testament is about? Jesus. You know what the New Testament is about? You get a, you get a, no, you don't get a cigar, but you get a prize. You get a blessing because both testaments are about Jesus. Want to know about his nature? Want to be like him? Want to do what he does? It's all in God's word. If it's not in God's word, I don't want to be a part of it. Paul said, if even an angel were to appear and preach to you another gospel than the one I preached, come on. Even in the pulpits today, even in movements that started the Assembly of God movement. I'm not going to mention the name again. There are people that are not preaching God's word. I don't want to be a part of anything that says we're just going to love. That ain't love. If you're going to be in a Christless eternity forever, and I tell you you're okay and I'm okay, that ain't love. Just doing my job. See, the enemy's a liar. And, and, and what he does is he wants to give us, he wants to give us very close knockoffs. If, you, if you've ever been to a foreign country and you're like, hey, that's a Harley Davidson t-shirt. You know, back in the United States, that cost me 60 bucks. This is only five. I think I'll buy that. You get it back home and you wash that puppy because you're going to do that, right? Thank you. God bless you. Praise God. And it comes out of the wash and everything on it's blown up in your washing machine. You got a knockoff. God says whatever is in his word will last. It will last even beyond heaven and earth. It says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. Somebody give God some praise. Come on. Well, we can find peace in this world. John Lennon told me that. I know, I know, I know, I, I know I can. We can find peace in our time. There's really dumb songs written about that. Jesus said very, very stringently in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, not peace. Trouble. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Jeru, city, shalom, peace, city of peace, hasn't had peace won't have peace. We pray for the city of Jerusalem because we're praying for the Prince of Peace to return to Jerusalem. Jerusalem won't have peace until Jesus rules. And He will rule from Jerusalem. It will be there. <laughs> You're all like, man, I missed my chance. I wanted to go to Israel. Now this has jumped off and we're in the end times and we're in the last seconds, not last days. And what are we going to do now? I'll never see it. You, every one of you going to see Israel. Every one of you going to see Israel. Come on, take me. I'll go there with you. Come on. And it's going to be good, man. And there's a big old... Oh, man, there's stuff I want to tell you. But There's going to be a brand new temple. There's going to be a big old city. Huge city. It's going to be awesome. A big, big house. Yeah. Jesus said, you're not going to be able to find peace from this world. That's a deception. In fact, peace from the world should be a red flag. Speaking of a time just before the end, Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. For when they shall cry, peace, peace, or peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them. Peace comes from the truth and Jesus, and Jesus alone. Peace comes from the mind of Christ 
and giving a peace that passes all understanding. Peace does not come from man. Man is not the source of peace. Man is the so and his sin is the source of trouble. Peace must be made. I'm not against peace, but it must be made. The Bible does say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We are to make peace, but it's done by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, not by deals. This all jumped off right during the Abrahamic Accords. And while our nation, and I'm talking spiritual here, not political, while our nation was forgiven $6 billion to terrorists. You didn't hear that, did you? And now we're like, whoa, 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 you can't spend that money now. <laughs> well, thanks, Sherlock. It's good that you figure it out now that maybe, maybe making deals with people who kill people isn't a good deal. I'm just sharing a perspective here. I'm not saying peace shouldn't be made, but what are we going to make peace over? What are we going to make peace over? They say, well, pastor, come on, man. Sounds like you're against peace. I I'm really not. Peace is a person. It ain't a what, it's a who. I'm for Jesus, aren't you? Yeah. Now, that is an exclusive way of saying things. But that's the way it is. That's the truth. There can't be any peace from the world because the world is God's enemy. James 4.4 4 says you're an adulteress if you love the world. You're an adulteress. Ooh. You're God's enemy if you decide to be a friend with the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says don't love the world. In other words, the world is full of trouble. It's your Hamas. Don't love the world. I'm not talking about the souls. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the evil strategy and scheme that motivates and the system that motivates man to kill babies. Here too. Here too. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up, don't even invest in this world. Don't store up treasure in this world. Hello. John 17, 16. We are not of this world. 1 Peter 2, 11. You're just a pilgrim passing through a foreign country. That's you. That's me. We identify with the kingdom and Him and His truth. There'll be peace in this world when the Prince of Peace comes, and that's what we pray for. That's why we pray for Israel. That's why we pray for Jerusalem and for Jerusalem to have peace. We don't accommodate any sin or idolatry, and we've got our own. We've got our own things that cause us to be... I'm going to go a little bit far here and say that cause us to be murderous in this country of the defenseless. That is always the spirit of Satan. When Jesus was born, there was the murder of the innocents. When Moses was born, there was a call that went out to murder all the... Come on. Don't buy into the deception. Stick to the truth. Number three, and this is the last one, and I think you're you're ready for the last one. It's distraction. Now, this is where it gets tough. Okay? This is where it gets tough. Because we all want to look at Mossad in Israel, and we all want to say, man, they have the best intelligence organization in the world. How in the world could this have happened when you have the best satellites, you have the best cameras, you have the best intelligence, you got the best intel, you got agents all over the place, um, historically, Mossad has pulled off some things that I think are miracles of God for them to pull off. So what happened? Um, the same thing happened to us in 9-11. The same thing happened to us at Pearl Harbor. The same thing happens to churches all the time. We get comfortable. Pastor, I have a different opinion. Well, again, I'm the pastor. I love you. People fall asleep. People get comfortable. People close their eyes and sleep right next door to the enemy and think, hey, it's going to be all right, man. It's been all right for the last two years. We haven't had too many shakeups. 
It's going to be okay. We, yeah, we, yeah, we know. We know there's thousands of people over there who have sworn that, be, that they, before they die, that every Jewish person must first die. Are you with me still? Hi. Hi there. But you know, it's, it's going okay right now. You know, it, it's, it's going okay right now, even though half our country and our state right now is wondering if it's okay to take the life of an innocent child. And if anybody says anything about it in the pulpit, oh, we're going to, man, we're going to, cancel culture, cancel me, please. I, I would love to know that I'm finally speaking the truth. I would love to know that I'm, I'm telling the truth because that's the result of the truth. It ain't everybody going at a boy. It's everybody going, yeah. But it's the truth. I love you. And this group fell asleep. What happened? Same thing that happened when two buildings flew, uh, fell to the ground when two airplanes flew into them. Yeah, that's the same thing that happened. And if we're not careful, it'll happen again. I know I'm going to get an appointment or two this week. I just know it. I just think it's great that we have a Statue of Liberty that says, give us this and fill in the blank. You know? But how you get here and how you come into here matters. When you go over to the parsonage, I don't own it. The church, well, the kingdom owns it. I don't own it. But there's two doors on that parsonage. And there's even a gate, and it locks. And if the door don't open, guess what? You ain't getting in. You know why? Because you may not want to get in. You may not want to see what you see in there. That's for you. That's a, I, I love you. I want to bless you. Okay? <laughs> Same goes for me. I come to your house, you know. I, I say, hey, what's it take to see you today? Well, I'll see you at four, because I'll be ready then. I'm in the shower or whatever. You know, well, don't destroy your phone. Finish up the shower, brush your teeth, I'll see you at four. You see what I'm saying? What it takes to have some type of relationship with you, there might be some protocol. Just as there's protocol for remaining in a church body, just as there's protocol for remaining in marriage, just as there's protocol for coming into a country. Well, just come right on in. Well, you know, there's a few things you need to understand. It is a, it is a light to the world right now. Praise God for that. But you and I don't have to look over our shoulders every day, but it's coming. But here's what old Roy told me as we were about to get frisked together. Oh, Roy says, you know what? I've lived every single day of my life in Jerusalem looking over my shoulder because I know there are people that want to kill me and hate me and hate my family. Every single... You and I don't live that way right now, but I'm, I'm just... I'm not trying to be a doomsday guy, but it's coming. It's coming. We think, oh, it's all over there. But listen, <clears throat> there is a regime coming under the Antichrist. That and, and, and the spirit of the Antichrist is already here and has been here. Okay? But there's a time coming when a lot of what everything I'm basically saying this morning is going to be outlawed. And you might have to give your life to keep preaching the truth. Can you watch me knee that? Can you can you give your life? Can you be in prison for this? Wake up. Wake up. Ephesians 5.14, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. In the last days, every Christian is in an army. You are not an audience. You are in an army. You know what I love about Israel? From the age of 18 to 40, you serve. Male, female. You're like, well, I'm a girl. You're fighting too. Fight like a girl. You're going to fight too. Um, everybody... You know why? Because they have to. You know what's going to 
you know what's going to grow our, the kingdom of Christ? Is everybody has to get in the fight because we have to. A political fight? No, 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 no. A spiritual war between heaven and hell, and it's over souls. And you say, well, pastor, I just show up and I just, you know what the fight is, is I'm, I'm trying to pay my bills and I just want to make sure that I can get to that new job that I want. And I just want to make sure that, you know, sometimes I get a cold and I get a, and, and I had a surgery last week and that's my fight. That is not your fight. It's not your fight. The fight is for eternity. The fight is for souls. The devil don't care if you pay your bills or not. Jesus said this, he said, consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air. They don't worry about that stuff. In other words, Jesus is saying, that's not the fight. The fight isn't paying your bills. The fight is your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, knowing Jesus Christ because you've prayed them through, because you've shared the gospel with them in love, because you've opened up your heart to them and you've said to them, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Second Timothy 2.4, no soldier, that's you. You're not sitters, you're... All right, like seven people, you're awesome. Awesome. No soldier gets entangled in the civilian affairs of this world since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. You're not supposed to be entangled with, you know, if one more person comes and tells me what happened on The Voice or what the goofy stuff that somebody's saying about them on social media. It's not the fight. It's not the fight. The fight is whether or not people know Jesus and know the truth. Okay? And you're part of that army. I want to tell you, as soon as you decide to really serve Jesus... I want to tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be fun. It'll be the... It's going to be... I mean, when you really decide that you're sold out for Jesus, I mean, it's going to be a blast. You're going to move from the playground to the battleground. That's what's going to happen, okay? Uh, Jesus, as soon as he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, he faces the devil. As soon as you decide to give yourself totally to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants you to do, guess who you're going to face? The devil. And he didn't face him one time. He faced him two times. No, he faced him three times a lady. Didn't he? And beat him with the Word of God. Because he was the Word of God. He is the Word of God. I want to I leave you with a couple of thoughts about that and I'll close. The closer you get to God and the truth and sharing it with people, the more you're attacked, but that's okay. Let me leave this with you. The enemy wouldn't be attacking you if God didn't put something very valuable inside of you. That's how you know you're walking in truth and you're walking in the Spirit. Number two, thieves don't break into empty houses. There's something in you now that represents a threat to hell. Number three, Satan tries to limit your praying because he knows your praying limits him. So he'll try to get you distracted. He'll try to get you wrapped up in what's happening at work or what's happening in the block or somebody accosted you and oh, somebody come up and, and videotaped you. Please videotape me. I have so much to say. Just get it out there. All right? Somebody did this or somebody did that. Listen, 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 listen. What the devil really doesn't like is when you pray. When you start praying for souls, praying for people. Pray for people in Gaza. There will be people in heaven from Gaza. Thank God. That's the war we're fighting. The enemy always fights the hardest, the next one, when he knows God has something great in store for you. So, the, hey, listen, pull back, promotion. Pull back, promotion. That's how you fire arrows. That's how you play golf. That's how you play baseball. Pull back, promotion. Something happens, it's a pull, setback in your life, it's a setup. Pull back, promotion. Why is this happening? God's up to good. Devil's up to no good, God's up to better. 
All right. So what was the distraction during that time? Were they good things? Yeah. Could they have been distractions? Yeah. Just as the church does things today that are distracting too, that are religious. You, you know what happened on that Saturday. That was a quadruple holy day. Holy days are, are good things. They're not bad things. Please don't tell me you believe that holy days are bad things because we call them holidays. And this is where I get most of the calories for the year. We're, we're set to see a bunch of them coming up. I don't know if you... Okay? And we're about to get really distracted with them. Oh, it's about Jesus. Is it really? Did anybody talk about Jesus at all? I ate three million cookies. That's what I did. It's great, man. I love it. It's awesome. I enjoy it. But did anybody share Jesus? Did, did, we, re, did we talk about Jesus? Oh, it's his birthday. Well, when was he really born? But hey, we're celebrating it here. Okay, but here's the deal. Did you even talk about him? Did you even share that the real true gift is Jesus? And you've heard this stuff preached so much. Okay, okay, you know. You know, uh, Resurrection Sunday comes and we go, oh, get us a big, fluffy, fat Easter bunny and let's get fat again. Thanksgiving comes and that's really a godly holiday too. We Instead of offering thanks, right, we get fat one more time. And I ain't against fat. Obviously. Are you all right? I, I just don't know sometimes. I look at you and you're like, well, you know, I'm against fat. Are you really? I'm against it, man. But you know, it can be distracting when you when when you're supposed to be during those times connecting with the one true God, and instead, and I'm not judging anything. Here's what the holidays were that that day. Uh, first, it was Shabbat. You you know that it was Sabbath, right? Which, by the way, the Orthodox and the Hasidic Jews they don't use their phones or anything on that day, so that was helpful. To the other side. It was also the end of the Jewish holidays that we see for a Jewish year. Okay, so that's Sukkoth. That is the Feast of Tabernacles. Kind of a weird name, but you know, that's what it is. Feast of Tabernacles. The end of all the holidays, and then there's a restart, you know. It was also the end of the reading of the word for the year. You see, Jews uh, read through the Torah in their holidays for the year. And that day, that day, right? We had what was called the Shikma Torah. That's uh, joy, the joy of the Torah. They had read, that was the last of the reading of the five first five books of the Old Testament to them. That day, what a day for the devil to pick. I just want, I, you know, I just want to uh, talk a, a little bit about this. You know, there's this, there's this idea that there's this idea that the devil attacks when we're off in the world and we're doing all kinds of evil things in the world and the devil goes, ha ha ha, now I'll destroy you, my pretty. I'll kill you now. I've got I've got you now. You're no threat to him when you're in the world. You're not a resistance to him. You don't stand in opposition to one of his names is adversary. That means one who stands in opposition, opposed to the direction you should be going. Resist him and he'll flee from you. So if you go the right direction, you're going the direction he don't want you to go. If you're going the direction he wants you to go, he goes hands off. You're doing it for me. When you're busy trying to get your heart right, and when you're busy trying to get your life right, when you're busy thinking about God and getting your life in order with God, when you're with God, and I'm telling you, sometimes it's like going to the chiropractor. It's like, breathe out. Pop, pop, pop. And you're like, ooh, that feels better. But up to that point, I was a little scared. Okay, you never get that way, but I do. I turn into a little girl. When the guy says, breathe out, I go, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> you know, and it's like, pop, pop, pop. And I'm like, eh. But those are adjustments. When you get, you're supposed to be, these are holidays where you get right with God, where you're, you're searching your heart, you're making sure your heart's connected with God. And that's when the enemy says, okay, boys, you, go get them. Because that's a danger. That's, that's not what we want. 
And here's the distraction that can come through, through all of that, okay? If we're not getting our hearts right with God, if we're not connecting with God, then, then, then what happens is this. It becomes a religious routine, a trite thing, which the enemy is, is just loves to use. He loves to use tradition to get you all wrapped into it, thinking that because you do something, you have something. Not understanding that because Christ's Son has done something, you have something. And you are someone in Him. You see, we forget that these holidays, holy days, this is where we get the word, are really declarations of war. You, you, you do know that Passover was a declaration of war. You, you do know that. Do you remember what happened on Passover? Hello. Like the last God of Egypt was dropped on Passover when the death angel came. On Passover. I have a 1,772-page book that's awesome. The guy who wrote his doctoral thesis on the Old Testament and Passover. And one of the things he said in it was, on the day of Passover, every Jewish home, and there's some Hebrew words that explain this, but every Jewish home was not only passed over, but was filled with the light and the Shekinah of God. Every Jewish home. Now that the Chabad doesn't, doesn't come to a building anymore. It comes to you. It comes to you. It's in you. It's above you. Remember? Upper room. So these are declarations of war. That's what Passover was. That's what Jesus decided to do on the cross. Jesus went to the cross to declare war on hell. Slap me five. On the side. In the hole. Go ahead. Man, you got soul. See, if, if, if we can learn to celebrate in our praise and our worship in our holy days, and our holy days are every day, not just a couple days, but every day, like they did before Jericho. That celebration, that celebration as they marched around Jericho, invited the presence and the power of God and brought down walls. Jesus, in his declaration of war from the cross, said it is finished. He, <laughs> he destroyed the walls between us and the Father. And that same holy day should resonate in each of us to tear down the walls and destroy the walls between people and God. They need to know about His love. They need to know about His truth. You say, I told Him yesterday, tell Him again. You say, I told Him a year ago, tell Him one more time. The earth moves around the sun one more time for one reason, another soul. Why does God tarry? Another soul. Another soul. Does God want to take us? Oh, yeah. Remember, you're his bride. I'm kind of attracted to mine. If she was somewhere and I needed to go get her, I'd be saying, come on, Daddy, let me go get her. Let me get her, Daddy. Daddy, I want to get her. Daddy, are we done yet? We done yet? No, we're still building, son. Okay, we almost done? Because I really want her. Are you breathing? Every guy in this room ought to go, Amen, Pastor. Come on, I say, Amen. I said, Amen. Mm. Where's the hankies? Okay, nothing. Some of you ought to get out of trumpet, man. Old school Pentecost. I love my wife. Okay. What, what, what do we do? How are we going to close today? Two things. We're going to close with this thought. Jesus said, When you see these things begin to happen, he said, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. We're going to look up. Okay, number two, what are we going to do? The Bible says that in Psalms 122.6 that we're to pray for Jerusalem. We're to pray for God's plan to bring the peace, the Prince of Peace.